I mean, they're they're really good, you know. Obviously, have a lot of really good position players, and they can pitch too. So, you know, we know <laughs> you got to play well to beat them. Um, that's for sure. And uh, you know, fortunately, we were able to get a couple. You know, not able to finish it off. You know, and had some chances there, but. Yeah, I mean, anytime you play these guys, I would expect it's it's going to be a challenge. That was a very magnanimous Aaron Boone, manager of the New York Yankees. Hello and welcome to Blair and Barker for Thursday. I'm Jeff Blair. That's Kevin Barker. Howdy ho. You know, you know what I noticed about Aaron Boone is is how much he gets his money's worth when he gets tossed. Boy, he tears well, he those does. umpires yeah. a new one. Man, credit R-rated too, buddy. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh man, if you're sitting like first ten rows, he draw. He says the words you're not supposed to ever say to an umpire (laughs) about the umpire's family. No, he does. Oh man, (coughs) I have uh, spoken to an unnamed Jays catcher who uh, told me one time that when Aaron erupts, he said, "You wish you had a tape recorder," because he comes up with some hyphenated words that uh, he's a good talker. Oh, he is. I mean, you go from the TV booth to the manager's booth. It'd be obvious. And he sat beside Shulman all those years. So he he knows, you know. Oh. Anyhow, Jays won 2-1 last night. Ho-hum, another one-run win, avoiding the sweep. Those of you who went out and lit candles last night for you, say Kikuchi, thanks for that. I did. Um, well, I lit two. One at the start of the game and one at the start of the sixth inning. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about you, say Kikuchi, in a minute, but... I want to start out, Kevin, by talking about something we really didn't get a chance to address last night on on Blue Jays talk, and that is the Blue Jays defense. It's crazy good. It's it is crazy good. Now, the game ended last night with Vladdy doing the splits, and you know, for once the review, for once everything went the Blue Jays' way. Although when I saw the Yankees were reviewing it, and I understand there's no. There's Why no not? reason to not do it. Why not? But I thought, okay, they're going to. And then I thought we were going to have all the beer cans being thrown on the field. And I think, no. Anyhow. <clears throat> I had total faith in the anyhow, umpires to get it right. I love yeah. umpires. By the way, Joe West is joining us tomorrow. I'm yeah. just going to let you and him talk. I'm going to tee I'm up. I'm going to be nice, too. I'm, see, I'm, I'm see this book? Hear I've it. written down everything you've said about <laughs> Joe West in the last three years. Well, it's not, it's not really directed towards book. Joe West. It was more of, it was more of. You know, as as a collection of the blind, <laughs> I have to so, sometimes. You're bad. You know the the box that you don't like, and I know that's going to be your first question: is how much they they hate that. You know, being graded by by all the fans that tune in and see the box on the oh, on the, the TV idiot. set, and it's two inches away from the outside corner of that thing. How can you handle it? How do you guys Not, sleep? Let's at talk night? about. <clears throat> well, I know how they sleep at night. <clears throat> let's talk about the Jays. Let's talk about the Jays' defense, all kidding aside. But Joe West will join us tomorrow. Uh, that play with I, with Isaiah Kiner-Falafa. Falafa. Falafa. What, what I, you know what it is? It's falafel. That's what I'm thinking of all the time I say it. But it's name. wrong. Falafa. So, if you, so okay. if you say it like three times in a row and, and I say. You know what I do? You know what I do in the scorebook for him? What do you do? IKF. <laughs> I do. I swear to God. Just I got say it. The shortstop for the, the Yankees. The shortstop for there the Yankees. Go. IKF. <laughs> Grounds out to Chapman of the final play of the game. Bases loaded. Jordan Romano sweated his way to his 12th save last night. Oh, didn't sweat his way. It, it was work. But let's just say that. It, it was work. He faced uh, six batters. 
three of them got on. Anyhow, quick, Flatty, quick before you move on, before you the, move on, do, do you do you think what we see from Jordan Romano is a finished product? No, it can get better. Yes, of course it can. How can it get better? I was watching it last night, and I was thinking to myself, what, watching him hold a faster runner on base. Oh, trying, I, oh, in a close game, oh, trying to keep him from going, I mean, going to scoring oh, position. It's little thing. I I know you, you don't like it. The slide step. No, he has to. I don't like he, my closers. He, ha, he has to because what what normally will happen is is because of all these close games and and you need your closer closer to almost be perfect, not good, be almost perfect. Him doing the little things. It's not. It's not taken away from velocity. It's not taken away from location. I don't know, Mark. It, take, it seems ball. to me I don't that think it that. seems to me it takes. It, it seems to me when he slide steps, you're looking at one or one or two miles an hour difference in his I, fastball. I don't. I don't think I mean, that's it. I think it's more of he's he's more thinking about don't raise your leg, don't raise your leg. That for me is a little bit anyhow. more, and maybe starts thinking about. You know, not not making that I mean, quality it, pitch that he would make maybe if he raises his yeah, leg he'll a little high. Is, is there? A, yeah, I, I, of course, I think he's he's going to get better. Of course, he's not the finished product. Um, I I do worry about him with men on base, though. I think he's fairly easy pickings with men on base, and it may not manifest itself against a team like the Yankees necessarily. Let's see what happens when the Rays get on base. At least he's trying. At least he knew oh, yeah. in the offseason yeah. something he needs to work no, on. No, it, it's not. It, it's on. not. I mean, complaining about a guy who's got twelve saves and has really made probably one really bad pitch as a closer this year, right? The home run that 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 pain. I don't even know if that was a bad pitch. It was he fell behind. Anyhow, Chapman makes the throw. Vladdy makes a great stretch. I mean, Kevin, I've got circles all over my book for these past couple of games for really good defensive plays. Uh, Key double plays. Uh, Santiago Espinal again last night on DJ LeMayhew. And, um, you know, Mike Stanton with um, with the man on base. And if you go back to last to the last game as well, he made a couple of, of really good defenses. Espinal plays. always seems to put himself, his body in the position to get the right hop. Have you noticed that? Like, it's rare, it's rare if you ever see him getting in a weird hop where he has to do something different with his glove, you know, raise it quicker. That's or, a really good – you know what's it, strange? For for really the amount is. of tough plays he makes – Yeah, it's always like his body's always in the exactly. right position. No matter where the ball's at or where he has to go to get it or how far he has to go to get it, it just seems like it's always – he's getting the hop. Somebody knew what they were doing when they got him. It's crazy good. Like, they they really did. Accuracy of the arm and 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 the strength of it. I, I gotta be honest with you. I knew he had a strong arm, but you can see well, the way used, he makes those running throws and how accurate it is. How strong can, his arm's got to be to do those things. You can see his strong arm whenever you watch him take field take fielding drills at third base or that spring training or any time. His arm is strong. Like there, there's there's nothing wrong with his arm. But this is a different level. Yeah, I have to be honest too. This is a different. Level. I have to be honest too. Every, every, every time that, that that sort of you see the bow running and and Santi running sort of in the middle, I, I'm always a little happier when Santi gets the ball. Is that a bad thing? Uh, right now, no. Like like every, every right time now. the the ball's in the middle and those two are running towards the baseball and he comes up with it, I'm like, oh yeah, because you know he's going to be out. And and I will say this, I think Santiago Espinal. You know, last year third base was it was was a disaster, not a disaster. Area. Last year third base was probably the weakest part of the Blue Jays. Not when he was in the game. Not when he was in the game. But I'm all, I, what I'm going to say is all the action he saw last year, coupled with what he did in the off season, staying with the Bichettes and and putting the weight on, it, he has really turned into. Look, 
If you tell me he's going to be the second baseman for the Blue Jays for the next three years with the core of this team, I'm okay with that right now. It would be great if he could hit left-handed, but, you know, unless somebody comes along like a Jose Ramirez, which isn't happening, I'm okay with Santiago Espinal. He's contributing offensively. He's more than holding his own defensively. I, I, I wonder what Bo's year would have been like defensively so far if we hadn't seen Matt Chapman there and if Santiago Espinal wasn't as mm-hmm. good as he was. Now, Marcus Semyon was a good defender last year. But anyhow, you're, you're right. I, I have absolute confidence, and even in Bo, I have absolute confidence on the balls hitting this infield now. And I certainly have confidence in Vladdy. For me, but the jury's still out with Bo. I, I I know how hard he works. We see it all the time. How before I, games, and how I long he's you, out there, how early he's out there. I think we figured out Bo. It's more, when it's Bo more is when Bo isn't yeah. hitting, Bo's defense kind of gets noticed a little more. Maybe. I I I I just still think that that he tries to do too much defensively. I, I, and I don't mean trying to you know, dive after balls or, or make the great he's not a, He's not no, a no, showboat. I'm, 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 I'm I don't ta- think he's a showboat. I don't think he more, tries to showboat. I'm talking more about you don't always have to be moving around okay. to catch grounders, throw <laughs> on the run. You don't have always have to do it. I know who he worked with in the offseason. Everybody knows who he works with the offseason, what, what that person tried to do. But maybe you're not that person. Maybe you need to set your feet. When he sets his feet and he wants to – finish and follow his throw, look how much better it is. Look how there's no lump in his throw Mm -hmm. to wherever it's going. And for me to consistently see the best bow defensively, that is what you want to see. Who did he work with in the offseason? Forget about it. It's here. It's here. The, 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 why is it on the tip of my tongue? The, the coach that went to Texas that played here shortstop before him, but came from the Rockies. Oh, Tulo, Tulo, Tulo. Yeah, yeah, I should. Right, he went. He went and worked with Tulo. Right, the the running throws and the and the confidence and the backhand and how he's catching balls in the hole, the third base hole, all the things that you know that that Tulo used to do. He ain't Tulo. Not for me. Not defensively. Not from not yet. Not for me. And I I just think when when he gets those balls and he can set his feet and he can follow his throw. Following his throw sounds so simple, doesn't it? But all the great ones. You like listen, anything else, you've got to finish listen, off. Listen it's... to Derek Jeter. You talk about hitting. You talk about throws in the outfield. Why do they always say with an outfielder, follow your throw. Finish it. Where you finish your throw towards most of the time, that's where the ball's going to end up. Why is the shortstop any different? And sometimes when he doesn't do that and he catches it weirdly and he's running one direction, ball's going a different direction, where's the ball sometimes end up where he doesn't want it to go? So for me, uh, the Jays will start a four-game series tonight against the Cleveland Guardians. A reminder, that is a 6.07 start, 6.07 Eastern tonight when uh, Jose Barrios takes on Aaron Savali. You may have thought that the Jays, the schedule softens a little bit now. Cleveland is going to throw some good pitching at them. Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, that's against Ross Stripling on Saturday. Gossman and Bieber on Friday night will be fun. That, that'll, be, that'll be a fun That'll be a fun matchup. So the Jays, as we mentioned, 2-1 winners last night. The Yankees took two of three from the Jays, including handing the Jays back-to-back losses for the first time this year. But we asked the question yesterday in Blue Jays Talk, and I'll throw it out there right now, and you can reach out to us, 590-590 is the text line. The Jays have just finished 16 games against the Red Sox, the Astros, and the Yankees. They played 
The Red Sox twice, Houston twice, home and away. They finished with a 10-6 and six record. I would, su- I, I would submit that even if Teoscar Hernandez were on this team, I still think most Jays fans would have looked at 10-6 and six and said, we'll take 10-6. and six. Like, I, To me, they've done well here. I'm not, and, and yes, Teoscar would make a difference, but I, but I am saying at the start of the year, if you looked at these games and, and said the Jays will go 10-6, and six, they'll go four games over 500 against these teams, most people would sign up for that. So would I. But I, w- what that's told you, at least if you're a player for the Blue Jays, <clears throat> is what you need to work on. What, what you're going to see when it comes playoff time. A heavy dose of hard stuff, middle away, with some devastating secondary pitches from a bunch of right-handed hitters. This should tell you. Now you know all year. Obviously, we think they're going to make the playoffs, and they're one of the best teams in the American League, but you're facing these best teams no matter when you're facing them. You know what you're going to get, and you know how these managers are going to try and match up against you. You know what you have to do against them, right? It's the what we saw a little bit yesterday, two strikes. Where did Matt Chapman's homer go? A little bit to right center. It went to center field, but yep. it was on the right side of second base. Bichette had that. That, that, that. that was a classic down the right field swing. Where did the two, two out there, the two strike uh, RBI from Vladdy go to, to right center? Yep. Those are things that they have to do. They have to shorten up. I'm not saying let the ball travel because you can't really do that in this day and age of how hard they throw and how much they move. All the balls that the, they're moving. You see the Yankees balls. This is 98 miles an hour moving feet. I. I <laughs> And I'm and I'm talking to you. How, how if you're a right-handed hitter, do you do you hit that? It's a, it's a it's a legitimate question that I think the, all of these right-handed hitters are trying to figure out. And it's not the easiest thing to figure out quickly. Even when we talk to hitting coaches, you know they scratch their head a lot too because of how good the, the pitching is. But this is this should tell them something. They're they're a really good team. They're starting pitching. If they can get Yusei Kikuchi figured out, that's what I wanted to go on. Man, Yusei Kikuchi last night. Six innings, three hits, seven strikeouts. And I know there were folks in social media who were surprised that they let him go out for that last inning. Not me. Third time through. Why? You you think he, and I, after you said it, well, I'm going to let you say it because I hadn't thought of it at the time and I, I, I hope that's why they did it. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, th- I think it was uh, two reasons. I, I think they've, they've uh, had to abuse their bullpen early in the season. And when they have a chance to, lengthen a guy a little longer, giving him a chance. And that was, that's one reason that I was thinking of. And the second reason was uh, Pete Walker's put a lot on Yusei Kikuchi's plate. Let's change this. Let's change that. Talk let's, about what uh, he has changed. He's, uh, he's, cha- he's changed his windup, the, the, the unnecessary uh, start, start and stop right. and start again. They've eliminated that. That sounds simple, but when you're used to doing that all the time, just to get yourself mentally stop thinking about that is almost impossible. Now you're trying to stop thinking of that and execute fastball. He's eliminated the cutter. That thing you saw yesterday that looked like a cutter ain't no cutter. It's a bad slider. They've eliminated the cutter. That's straight the from cutter. the source. They're, they're yeah. flipping it. My source is pretty good. They yeah. flipping it. You can tell when they show the camera where he holds the baseball. That's a slider. That's just not a very good pitch. Yeah. That's a work in progress. They want him to throw it somewhere in that 86 to 89 range. They want him to snap it off. Now that thing was, we saw 90s, we saw 91s. That's just, he really hasn't figured the finish. And you could see him yesterday, get it out there. You could see him a couple of times where he was visibly trying to tell himself, I really got to get it out there. If I'm going to do this against a team like the Yankees, I can't be throwing 88, look like a cutter down the middle. So we can stop saying that, 
you know, it's a cutter, slider, whatever it is. No, he's eliminated the cutter. It's a slider. He's got three pitches. He's got the four-seamer now that he's going to throw a bunch. He's got the split change that he's going to use a lot with two strikes. That's a good pitch. That's about 88 four. miles an hour. What did we say yesterday? He got he got four four strikeouts on all the uh, splitter. All swinging. Yeah, all that, swinging. That, that's that's a, what you do is why they want him to throw more fastballs is you get those big righties looking in, you get them looking up, you can even get them looking away because it's sticky, something to it, and it's 96 from a lefty, and now you throw the split change, which is about 88 miles an hour, and it's more got, you know, I want to say maybe sort of some side spin because you can see the way he's gripping it, that it's got a little sink to the end of it. That's a nice pitch for him. But it all gets back to the how many times he's throwing strike one. Now, he faced 21 batters. He threw 13 strike ones. He threw seven with a fastball. He right. threw six with a slider. <laughs> he didn't try any. He tried a couple of times against a, a leftier, uh, I think one lefty, which was Rizzo, with a couple of changeups and two of his bats. But for whatever reason, he's choking it off. And he didn't, he, did, he wasn't staying on top of his changeup a whole, a whole bunch. But it's the slider and the fastball. If he can do those, be a little unpredictable. Throw some more fastballs for strikes. You mentioned it on Blue Jays' talk after the game. He threw 34 fastballs. He threw 24 of them for strikes. He only had three swing and misses with it. I'm not sure that he's trying a whole ton to get a bunch of swing and misses with it, but it's more usage of it. Means he's confident, confident yeah. with it. The mechanics is there. The finish is there. The the arm slot is there. The release points there. Now it's refining location with it. Confidence with it, and you could see the umph at the end. We talk about that a lot, and I saw it was when I, when I was in spring training, and I was talking to people around that. They want to get, you know, because I saw the 92s. Why is it not there? And then everybody started talking about they want the controlled <laughs> mm, at yeah. the end. Like, I I believe in it. That's basically what that's all oh, about. With and conviction. You, and, and you started seeing a bunch of that last night. And, you know, refining these things, I just think running them back out there in the sixth inning t- told him – all the things that we've asked you to do, we appreciate that. Yeah, it, it looks and good. It was go back out there and show us you can do it again. Listen, it was hard. He, he gave up the home run to, to Joey Gallo. It was hard work last night too. I mean, uh, Tyler Heineman, that, that was hard work. He and Pete Walker were. I mean, they, they that was that was a trio. That was the three man job getting Kikuchi through that game. Um, it it it's and I know that Dan and Dan Schulman will join us later on. I know Dan and, and Joe were talking about this, that that this to me is where you really miss a guy like Danny Jansen behind the plate and that you need a guy that that may change now because of, of what Kikuchi did yesterday, but it's pretty clear that he, he in games, he still needs to be convinced every now and then you got to, you got to sell the guy on some things. And I think, I'm sure I know Janie was uh, Jana was in the bullpen uh, because the COVID's hit the coaching staff and the coaches are all moved around. I'm sure he's watching that, thinking, "Oh boy, like I'm, you know, there's going to have some work to do with this guy when we get out there." Which is fine if the results are going to be like that. But you you made a great point that I think we need to, you know, we we come on here and Jay's fans on social media, and and rightfully so, we've lauded Ross Stripling for the change he made last year and and what it's done to him and what a what an important pitcher he's become. And they've asked, you're right, they put a ton in you say Kikuchi's plate. Change they, up your wind-up. And they didn't do it in spring. They stop using a pitch that you've abused the and last they, year they and a half. And they weren't able to do all this in spring training. No, they, they've, they've got, had to do it in the game. In about eight days. you got to figure, that's after <clears throat> starts. Right. So PD sees it in one start, don't like it, sees something that he thinks can fix it and make it a little bit better, 
the four days between the start, you go in, you tweak some things, you you simplify it as much as you can so he can go out and try and throw strike one. The velocity's there. Use that. And then the second start, you're trying to do a little bit more. Add this. Take away that. And do it in about eight days. And now you can start to see a little bit of the of this. Uh, That's a hot team he faced yesterday. It wasn't a, a team that's struggling, a team that wasn't confident and offensively going up to the plate and having an idea. Look at how he pitched the judge. Look, mm-hmm. at, look at the late heaters to judge and fastball counts. He was right after him, you know, and some couple, a couple of counts there were, it's mine against yours. Let's see what you got. And sometimes yep. I think we, we, we sometimes want to just pile on instead of taking a step back and go, man, that's a lot that you've done here and doing it in the American league East and you being left-handed ain't no joke. I mean, let's be honest. Like it's, the Yankees and and the Red Sox, even though they're struggling, and and the Astros and some of these teams that these guys have been trying to face in smaller ballparks with teams that know how to hit, and you're trying to make giant changes. Let's give the dude some credit, and good for them to running back out there. I'm sure it had a, a, some things to do with matchup and the bullpen being abused, and and also you've sort of earned this. We're gonna let you go out there and see if you can get it done, and good for him, he got it done. Yeah, I uh, that that's that that's that's really well said. Uh, and you know, the point can't be stressed enough. If I mean, if that's what you're going to get from Kikuchi every night, it might be expecting. Well, no, it, may, it shouldn't be because there's we haven't. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. So maybe I'm not saying that every night is going to be three hits, seven strikeouts, one walk, but maybe we can raise our expectations for him a little bit. What if he simplifies and just goes into games and goes, oh, if I don't walk anybody, if I keep this to one walk of an outing because of my stuff, because of how my fastball plays, how hard it is, if I can somewhat locate it, if I pitch ahead a little bit more, 13 out of 21 is not yeah. great. It's better than he has been, and he's doing it with two different pitches. What if he can do that <clears throat> well, better and make that more like 16 out of 21? That, now you're cooking with gravy. because well, And look, you can do it with a, with a slider and a secondary pitch, so that makes your fastball even that much better. I mean, l- let's look at what he did. Let's look at what he did against Judge Rizzo and Stanton. Judge, two strikeouts, one looking, and a walk. Rizzo, he induced a double play out of Rizzo. Rizzo reached in the fielder's choice. He popped up to third base. Stanton struck out swinging and uh, and a 4-3. Uh, that's that's pretty good for you. If you had told me that, that you say Kikuchi was going to be able to get through those three guys three times and essentially not, and, and not give up a run, not give up a hit, yeah, you did. You did see some. You did see there some, some good hard, hitters. There, there was some. There was some decent contact. You saw eh? some good hitters too over there, looking through iPads, thinking, "Man, look at yep. that!" And and I saw Josh Donaldson a couple of times actually raising his hand and saying something about arm slot, which will tell you there's a little deception there. It's coming out hot, mm-hmm. trying to make some adjustments in game against a guy that. Yeah, it's got some sneaky to him. It's got some late giddy up to the heater. Has got enough fastball and a fastball count to a fastball hitter that he can throw it and get away with it. And now if he can refine the the I think the split change, I don't think he's got to work on it a ton. I think split change I, is great. He's, it's he's a, it's ripping a good it and ripping that him. thing with a little backspin and has a little sink to it. If he can refine the slider and make that more comfortable to where he wants to throw it to some good hitters and can get it breaking a little bit more. You add that to the big three guys they already got, and if Ross Stripping can continue to do some things, and if Ryu comes back and 
can give you some decent starts. I don't, I don't even have any idea what to expect from him. I don't even know when we're going to see him. I, 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 I'll just be blunt. I really don't care. They're going to need him. They're going to need to have some decent starts this year. If, if, yeah, uh, but right now I'd rather watch Ross Stripling go out there. I would too. I have more confidence in what I'm in in what I'm going to get from Ross Stripling than what I would get from him. Makes it Rio. makes it easier when you say Kikuchi looks like he looked last night. Well, we said it. If the if you say Kikuchi looks the way he looked last night, and Hyunjin Ryu comes back at some point, and if Hyunjin Ryu takes a while to regain his footing, you can kind of manage your way around one real bad spot in the rotation. You could probably make it work. You can look ahead, take advantage of off days, matchups, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty hard when there's a big drop-off between three and four. Now you're looking at that and going, man, now you know, we've got to make sure we, do. we don't want back-to-back. Those guys going back-to-back days, that'll be a drain in the bullpen. It'd be a lot easier. I mean, if, if Kikuchi can go six innings every time out, I'm, you've got to be more than I know. It's, I know that. we're up against it, but it's amazing how quickly these guys find an issue, hone in on it, and fix it. And or fix it. Have or, a, or, or offer a, a, offer a, a correction. No, know that if you do it sort of this way, move a little on the rubber, yeah. creates a different angle, opens up the target that you're throwing at, eliminate the start-stop. Start throwing a little bit more of these to make your best pitch, which is your heater, that much better. It's really amazing, isn't it? Like, it's just crazy to think that there's so that many. They're so good at it that there, it's 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 crazy. There's stuff. so there's so many eyes on on the game right now on every game. And how good these coaches are at selling it. You got to be some kind of salesman. By the way, that win was the Jays' tenth one run win of the season last year. They didn't get their tenth one run win until August 28th, which was game number 128. Which I think maybe says more about the state of the Jays' offense right now and the state of the game in general. In the state of the game, yeah, in general, you know, when, you, when you read that stat to me, I think you read it to me a couple of days ago or or last night after the game, maybe. And the only thing I could think of was the two small ballparks they played in Buffalo and Dunedin. That's where that stat shows up the most. Ball flies all over the place. Saw Alejandro Kirk going the other way, right field line, homers. She ain't could do that here. You know, with big it, league parks. It's funny you mention that because we focused a lot on the impact on the Jays' pitching of playing in those small parks. Maybe we didn't pay enough attention to what it did to the hitters what it did to help the hitters. If you remember if hitters. you remember in Dunedin, remember how the wind was blowing out to right center and how yeah. they would stay inside baseballs, create a little backspin, and get those cheap little homers to right center? They ain't getting those in big league parks. Does this stat mean anything to you? And I know we're, we'll, we'll take a break and we'll be joined by Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Guardians. Does oh. this stat mean anything to you? Matt Chapman's 11 RBI with two outs are tied for third most in the majors and second most in the American League. Does that surprise you? No, I, I th- me personally, it's on purpose. That's why they're they're moving him around the order. We saw him hit fifth. We've seen him hit sixth. We've seen him hit seven. seven. That a lot depends on who is hot in front of him. I said this. When Santiago Espinal's hot at the bottom of the order, it's Bo. You got to look at when big time at bats. Right. When Vladdy and Lourdes are hot, they're hitting in front of Chapman. It's Chapman you got to stare at. So that stat does not surprise right. me because that's on purpose. Now it'd be interesting to see how that stat looks when Teo comes back. Yep. And now you got Lourdes hitting fifth or sixth, depending on how he's looking and how Toppy is looking and how you could mix and match a little bit from the from the fifth spot on. 
But that's, you and, know, it's its own purpose. And, and speaking of Teo, we are led to believe that he will join the team for tonight's game. Certainly for, he'll be, he'll, he was in Dunedin. He'll be in Cleveland for the Guardian series, uh, which starts tonight, and he will play in the series. The assumption is he will play tonight. You know, it's entirely possible that they give him another day because he did play back-to-back. You don't think they're giving he's him another he's day. He's enough days. He played back-to-back days <laughs> in Dunedin. So, anyhow, there, there's a chance that uh, that Teoscar starts tonight. Tom Hamilton is the voice of the Cleveland Guardians. Four-game series begins tonight at 6.07 with Barrios and Savali. Tom Hamilton joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven Eastern time is the first is the first pitch tonight. People are out there thinking those guys must have a lot of fun between we do during breaks because they always come back and they're laughing and if only you knew what we were. It's very, it's normally very nice stuff. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's always nice. It's always nice stuff. This is the, this is the. Positive. This is a, a a positive show. There are positive vibes emanating from this show. You could probably tell. You could probably feel it out there right now. I'm sure if you're watching on TV, you can just feel the positive vibes coming out. We try. Well, we do. We like to think we have. We like to think we have a little bit of fun. Um, I'm really challenged with the internet today. I'm really. I just nothing's. This is one of those days where nothing's working. Anyhow, uh, you don't need to worry about that. We will soldier on. Tom Hamilton is the voice of the Guardians. We mentioned the Jays and Guardians start a four-game series tonight. First pitch is at 6.07 Eastern. Jose Barrios against Aaron Savali. Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie are on deck for uh, for Cleveland. I'm... I'm Really looking forward to seeing Tristan McKenzie. I love watching Tristan McKenzie pitch. I've caught, I've caught a couple of his starts. He's just so much fun to watch. And Shane Bieber's, Shane Bieber's not throwing as hard early well, in the season too. We're Shane talking to Tom about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's bring in Tom Hamilton right now. Tom Hamilton is the voice of the Guardians. Tom, always good to uh, hear from you. Thanks so much for taking time out uh, to talk to us today. Look, um, boy, I look at this this Guardians team and. You know, it's funny. I look at that whole division, and I look at the Guardians, and I look at Detroit, and I look at Kansas City. Like, all of these teams, and Minnesota right now is doing what, you know, is doing very well. Tom, I think this division's about a year away from becoming a real meat grinder, isn't it? Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, Yeah, I I agree. We've got... You know, outside of the White Sox and Twins, um, the other three teams you mentioned, Cleveland, Kansas City, and Detroit, are all in various rebuilding stages. Um, What Cleveland doesn't do is tear it down to the studs and basically tell your fan base we're going to be irrelevant for five years Mm -hmm. while we gut this thing and start over. 
and um, so they've been transitioning, and at the you know same time, remaining competitive. I mean, last year they were eighty and eighty-two in the start of the rebuild, and you know right now they're kind of at that that same point. Um, I think Kansas City and Detroit have surprised me a little bit, guys, because I thought they'd be a little bit further along. Really? And again, I I think yeah, you know, I just. They're both off to terrible starts, and I think we thought, you know, based on especially what Detroit did in the off season, that you know you might see some immediate dividends. I think it points out how hard it is to rebuild, and that's why I think Mark and Ross have done such a great job in Toronto because, you know, when they took over that franchise, the cupboard was bare, and um, I know Toronto had a nice run there, and. Obviously, we beat them for the American League pennant in 2016, but that farm system had been gutted to go out and and get some veterans to to make those playoff runs possible. And so I I think it's a pretty amazing turnaround that Mark and Ross have generated there. And, you know, the Blue Jays are one of those teams that, you know, the the young kids have been as good as advertised. I, I think in a lot of ways... And I, I don't ever want to compare. I know that's not fair. But Toronto reminds me a little bit of us in the mid-'90s when, you know, Cleveland kind of started the renaissance with Jacobs Field and then going to two World Series in three years and being one of the dominant teams. And, and the similarities um, to me are that you had a lot of young, homegrown talent that had a swagger, a confidence, a personality, and they were kind of must-see. I thought that's the way the Indians were in the mid-'90s, and that's how I look at this Blue Jay team right now. To me, they're the most exciting team, certainly in the American League. Tom, we just saw the the, the Yankees come in here, and, and we actually saw Aaron Boone uh, putting on safety squeezes. We saw him trying to steal a base. Uh, I listened to Terry Francona talk, and he's talking about hit and running with with the Guardians. He's talking about bunning. He's talking about stealing more. And I know you're very in tune with what's going on. I know you watch the game. Have you seen in your division there sort of a shift in how these managers are trying to win baseball games? And if you have seen that, why do you think that is? Well, one, I think it's a great question. I think our game is going to change somewhat, guys. I think we've already seen all kinds of stories about how run production is down and home runs are way down. I think, obviously, there was some concern that our game was becoming pretty much a, um, three different outcomes, a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. And that's not good for the game. And I do think you're going to see teams try to get more athletic and try to bring back that facet of the game, like you talk about stealing bases, of the hit and run, and so forth. Now, for for the the Cleveland Ball Club, this is not a power club, so they can't sit around and and wait for the three run home run. If they do that, they're never going to score. As far as our division is concerned, you're not going to see Chicago do any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've got the big boy boppers, and they're going to play for the big inning, and that's you know, really the way they're built. We have not seen Minnesota yet, believe it or not. Hmm. And uh, we'll see Minnesota for the first time next week. Obviously, they've had changes to that ball club uh, since we saw them a year ago. Um, Detroit, 
you know, haven't seen them yet either. <laughs> Again, because of that first week of the season being postponed to a later date, uh, we have not seen much of the division. Kansas City's a ball club that always is that kind of game. They don't sit back and wait for the home run either. But, you know, I think it's going to be interesting, guys, to see if this is a constant trend. But I do think athleticism and doing more than just waiting for the home run is coming back to our game, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, A couple of players in the Guardians who will be of interest to local listeners and viewers, uh, Josh Naylor and, of course, Cal Quantrill. What can you tell us about their seasons? And uh, Cal pitched pitched yesterday. He pitched in the doubleheader, right? Yeah, he did. So, So, right, you won't see him. Right. um, You know what, guys? Cal has been, since uh, he went into the rotation last year in mid-June, and since that time, only Robbie Ray, who, of course, you're very familiar with, has had a lower earned run average among American League starters since the middle of June a year ago. So that's how good Cal Quantrill has been. Yesterday, he gave up three runs in the first inning and then the next five innings through hitless baseball. I just think he's one of the best young starters right now in the American League. Josh Naylor's an incredible story. Um, I wondered if his career was over after the gruesome injury he suffered last summer in Minneapolis. He had the dislocated ankle, the multiple fractures in his leg. The fact he's back playing now, guys, is close to being a miracle. And, you know, he again yesterday got a huge hit uh, in the ballgame to bring us back in um, the second ballgame of the doubleheader. Uh, He's off to a tremendous start. His personality, his energy, uh, the way he plays the game uh, just rubs off on everybody. So uh, I'll tell you what, we've got a Toronto flavor to this ball club, mm-hmm. and thankfully we do uh, because Naylor and Quantrill are two of the most important pieces of the puzzle here for this Cleveland club, and, and hopefully we've got another Naylor coming because, as you probably know, um, Josh's brother, Bo Naylor, right. uh, was our first-round pick a few years ago, and he's a catcher in Double A that they're extremely high on. Tom, this is a sort of a, a excuse me, a two-part question. I, I know the, the the weather has been super bad in the division you're playing in. We see the White yeah. Sox all the time. We see you know the all the headgear and the and the extra batting gloves and all the shirts that they have to wear. <laughs> so that so that's part of it. I, I want to ask how that's been a big issue and who's had to make the more adjustments. I, I sort of know the answer because I used to try and do that in cold weather as a hitter. It's almost impossible to get big time hits. But I also want to sort of piggyback that with a little bit of Shane Bieber. I know he's not throwing as hard, but I know he's a very smart pitcher. How is he? Have you noticed him using the weather? Because it does look like he's using some more secondary pitches. He's flipping it a little bit more. Does that have something to do, you know, with he's coming off that injury, he's sort of trying to get his feet wet. But, oh, by the way, it is really cold, and I can flip it and get some easy outs that way. Yeah, I, I think it's everything that you mentioned. And one, um, Carl Willis always talks about it, uh, Cleveland's pitching coach. Guys, you've got to be able to pitch with whatever you bring to the table in that game. If you're throwing 90 to 92 and not throwing 95, well, then you've got to find a way to win with what you've got that day. And, and Shane Bieber's a perfect example of it. His velocity will continue to tick upward. 
you know, we're finally at a point now where pitchers are fully stretched out, but guys are still going through dead arm periods that you'd normally have in spring training, only now you're having it during the regular season because of the shortened camp. And you mentioned the injury that Shane had a year ago. Um, the bottom line is he can he can win throwing 92 miles an hour because he's got such great command, not only of his fastball cutter, but his curve and slider. And he's able to throw those four pitches at any of the four quadrants of the strike zone at any point in the count. So for Shane Bieber, he's the true definition of a pitcher. He's not a thrower. And again, guys, I, I think we're maybe going to see more of that in our game in that, you know, you wonder why guys are having Tommy John surgery. Um, the good Lord didn't make that many guys that are supposed to throw a hundred miles an hour. And those that do, they normally don't last that long. Anyway, guys like Aroldis Chapman are the exception to that rule. And so, um, and again, you mentioned the weather, you know, San Diego was just on a 10 day road trip. They went to Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and then they finished up here yesterday (laughs) talking to their people in 10 days, they didn't see the sun once. So you know, yeah. coming from San Diego, they were kind of like, what the heck is going on here? But the, the, the weather in the Midwest has just been brutal. And, you know, that's, that's where a team like Toronto, I can remember when Toronto was obviously so dominant in the early 90s. They always got off to a great start. And I always thought a big reason was, look, they had a lot of Latin players that were obviously really good players. But those guys never had to worry about the weather in early April at home because you had the dome. And let's face it, I don't care if you're Latin. I don't care if you're a kid from uh, Minnetonka, Minnesota. Nobody likes to play in cold weather, and you never really get used to it. And so, you know, hopefully this thing breaks pretty soon. Yeah, although I I, I do have to admit that um, I I would not, I would not cry a river for San Diego folks complaining about not not seeing the sun. I mean, I, I, you know, I I get it, and yeah, it's it's. I've got folks in the Midwest, and but yeah, I there there are there are some people I would have time for complaining about weather. San Diego, no, it's not working for me. Hey, uh, Jose Ramirez signed the big contract, and you know, has had a really good start to the year. I think I'm just looking at his numbers. I think he's, it's one of the best starts an Indi- uh, a guardians hitter has had since, um, uh, s- since Manny was there. Uh, that was just, that was so important to get that done. Wasn't yes. it? Well, it was guys. And quite frankly, um, Jose Ramirez would not be here today. Had that contract not been signed and literally it was our getaway day in Phoenix when we were flying that last week in spring training, we were breaking camp on a Tuesday to go to Kansas city. And um, our flight got pushed back a little bit because they were negotiating that agreement. And, uh, you know, credit to Hosey because uh, the ball club wanted to give him a four year extension. Hosey's agent wanted six years and Jose told his agent, look, we, we've got to get this done. There needs to be a compromise on both sides. I don't want to leave Cleveland. Jose Ramirez then talked personally to the Cleveland Guardians owner, Paul Dolan, and they ironed some things out to make sure everybody was on the same page. And they got a five-year extension done. Jose Ramirez, rightfully so, got that extension with a no-trade clause. 
And, you know, to have him in a Cleveland uniform for the next seven years, as you said, I think it was critical to this ball club, to its fan base. And, you know, look, this guy is a potential Hall of Famer. And the fact that he wants to play his entire career here, he proved it. You know, how many times do we hear guys say, hey, I want to play there for the rest of my life. But they don't add the one caveat, and that caveat is as long as they pay me the most money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for Jose Ramirez, it wasn't about getting the last dollar. It was truly about working something out that made sense for both sides. Listen, I mean, I, I just, you know, look, look we, I, I mean, I, Jose Ramirez is one of my favorite players, and I was just salivating at the possibility of him coming here. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, same thing with Chipper Jones. I like the idea that a guy can still finish a career with one team yep. and be happy and, ha- and I, go into the Hall of Fame. I, I just love that. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I... I grew up in Wisconsin, and I know how important it was to that fan base that Robin Yount played his career there, Kirby Puckett in Minnesota, Cal Ripken in Baltimore, George Brett in Kansas City. Guys, you can you can name the guys because there are so few. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm with you. And, um, again, I like the fact that it was a win-win for both sides, and that's what it's all about. And so – you know, you appreciate guys. I'll tell you how good he's been. We're now seeing teams. It started in New York, believe it or not. The mighty Yankees, who would never admit it, were walking Jose Ramirez with two outs and nobody on base in the first inning, mm-hmm. rather than pitch to him. Wow. Yesterday, bases loaded, two down. It was an intentional walk, but it was the unintentional intentional walk to force in a run because they were not going to pitch to Jose Ramirez, even with the bases loaded two down, they would rather give up the one run than potentially give up four. And, um, again, that that is how good he has been to this point. Yeah, he, he really is something else. Tom, listen, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much. You're the best, Tom. Thanks. Well, thank you, guys, and uh, great talking to you, and all the best to our good friends in Canada. Thanks. Tom. Be well. That is Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Guardian, 607 tonight, Jose Barrios against Aaron Savali. Uh, ESPN's uh, Alden Gonzalez has an article up on the Ramirez contract, um, and uh, there have been other, uh, other articles written about this, but I'm just reading that. Now, it really does seem, and this may not come as a, as a necessarily as a, as a uh, news bulletin, but, Kevin, the more you talk to people, the more you read stuff like this, it sounds like he was really close to coming to the Blue Jays. I mean, it sounds like the Blue Jays and Padres, we know they were the two final teams that yeah. really... But it sounds like... It almost sounds as if his agent was trying to direct him to Toronto. It almost sounds as if his agent was trying to direct him to Toronto. Well, what's a, the, the agent's goal is to make his client and himself the most money he can possibly make. Yes. What do you think he thought he'd make more money in Toronto or Absolutely. in Cleveland? And, and to take a, a, the deal that he took... He lost money. Let's yeah. be honest. He took he less left money. money than, the, he left oh, a ton of money in the did. table. Absolutely, he did. And you could tell the compromise Tom was talking about. Most players are not going to do that. <clears throat> the first person that came to mind was Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge's not going to compromise with the Yankees. He's going, he wants big-time Mike Trout money. He's yep. not compromising. You want me here? You're going to pay me to stay here. And it's just funny to listen to 
actually a a player wants to stay in a small market team because for whatever reason I have no idea what the reason is but he likes it Listen, there and he wants to stay and he'll take less money to stay there. You know, as I said, one of my favorite players in the game. If he's not in Toronto, I'm happy that he's in Cleveland. I'd rather he be in Cleveland than any place else if it isn't Toronto. That's fair. I I really would. I mean, first of all, because I get to see him play more often. And anyhow, yeah, that's it, it's one of those things. I, I admit, I I was at, and I, I mean, we talked to a lot of the same people. I was absolutely convinced he was coming to Toronto. I was 100% convinced when the CBA was signed. I was absolutely convinced. Every day, we talked about this. Keep hearing that he's coming to Toronto. Keep hearing... There's a reason that the Guardians had a scout following Kirk. We, you know the names that were involved. I was sitting beside the scout hey, when I was talking to you. Yeah, let's put it this way. Randall Gritchick was traded for Ryan Altapia. Right. Uh, so the Jays were willing to give up Randall Gritchick in a deal Without to get what they wanted, clearly. They followed Alejandro Kirk. Mm. It, it seems as if Cleveland wanted players that were either in the majors already, or I'm sorry that we're in the majors, but still had two or three years of controllability uh, of controllability left. That's why uh, the Nelson Lamette was one of the names you heard from San Diego going there. And uh, yeah, it was. So I, like I, it was I, a I done still deal think, until the player stepped in and said, I don't want to go there. Yes. I want to, I want to stay here. Let's get this done. Yeah. And um, the remarkable thing is from what we're led to believe, the Jays would have been able to pull that off without Oof. without giving up uh, Gabriel Moreno and or Elvis Martinez. They would have retained them. Just th- just think about that Nate for Pearson a second. Nate Pearson may have he, been if the he guy. Was here, <clears throat> Lourdes Gurriel Jr. would be hitting sixth for the Blue Jays. Well, uh, I, Bo might be hitting cleanup. You might have Ramirez in the number two spot. Vladdy third, Bo cleanup, <laughs> Teo fifth. Just that one yeah. bat. In the- <laughs> oh. Anyhow, uh, Shai Davidi is Sportsnet's MLB insider. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.